When you plant a little seed, put it in the ground. Death is the state of its condition. Then you see. Good evening. My name is Deborah Laraway, and I'll be your moderator for this class. And welcome to the Pattern of the Universe. This is a school of the highest learning and not a church. We are a nonprofit, non denominational, religious, and scientific research organization dedicating to proving the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of, e of his eternal pattern, purpose, and plan throughout eternity to this present day. Now, this school was a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. The Lansing branch was established in the year 1973. The dean is Dr. Terry Walsh, and the president is Dr. Tina Pettigrew. Now, in this school, we teach and use the true, correct, original names of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. Now, the name of the Father is Yahweh, has been improperly substituted with Lord. The title for the word or son is Elohim, has been improperly substituted with God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua, has been rosy substituted with Jesus. Now, Lord and God are titles, they are not named. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, writes that there are Lord's many, and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Now Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is a title that our Creator chose for Himself. Now Jesus is a name, but is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that there was no letter J in the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language, or any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound as made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 14 to 1600 years after the Messiah's death. So such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible runnings for the true and correct name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is spirit, and in his pure spirit state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. Now, we have Yahweh symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. Now, we have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. Like matter, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the Word or Son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions 
and understood in divine revelations. Later on, the self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time that he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses atop of Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the waters of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. Also in the school we show proof how that everything that is made and operates, that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives or aims of this class are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law and so-called law in the nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh is to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man must be saved, saving the name of Yahshua and the Messiah. And tenth is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we'll have a prayer by Dr. Janice Welch. Our scripture lesson for this evening will be Luke, the 24th chapter, to be read by Dr. Graciel Underwood. And I'll be doing the announcements after class. Good evening, class. Let's all bar our hearts and minds and thank Yahshua again for allowing us to gather together that we might learn of his purpose and plan. And we ask that he open our hearts and our minds and give us an understanding. We also ask that we love the brethren or we love each other as he commanded. And with those blessings, let us all say hallelujah.
and move it down for Oh, that's, I think that's going to be fine. Thank you. I will be reading Luke, the 24th chapter. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of Yahshua. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulchre, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Miriam Magdalene and Joanna, and Miriam the mother of James, and others with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter, and ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about seven and one-half miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Yahshua himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Yahshua of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before Elohim and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel, and beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things? and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he, was, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And immediately their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, Yahshua is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. 
And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Yahshua himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any food? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved the Messiah to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing Yahweh. That was Luke, the 24th chapter. I'd like to remind everybody to silence all cell phones and electronic devices so our class is not disturbed. Choir?
I'll do whatever he wants. I'll try to do my best. I'll try to stand my test. I'll let my little light shine. I'll let my little light shine. For some lost sheep. Some lost sheep trying to find. I'll go through the storm and rain. Under the storm and rain. I'll try hard not to complain. I'll try hard not to complain. I will do his will. Not to do Yah's will. His will. He bore his cross up the rugged hill. It was He gave his life. Oh yes. When it's all one day.
Good evening, class. Our first speaker this evening will be the dean of our class, Dr. Terry Welch. Well, good evening, good evening. <laughs> and um, tonight we're going to be covering the notes uh, that we had on Yahweh's Jubilee since uh, during the wonderful <laughs> weekend that we had, uh, I didn't really adequately address them directly. So we're going to stay very focused on that for tonight. And uh, I, I know there's a number of people that have already requested and received these notes, but anybody that has not received them, they are available to view and to download um, on the Google Drive that Andy Craig has that is attached to idmrlansing.blog. And um, so you can get them and download them uh, if you wish. Uh, so we're just gonna launch right into it. And uh, I do, other than, I, I do want to say that I, I really, really, really appreciated everyone and all the things that were done uh, during this last Jubilee weekend celebration or convocation that we had. Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead and read those. Yahweh's Jubilee. <coughs> Yahweh's physical Jubilee, year of rest, liberty, and redemption with Israel in the Promised Land, Canaan, was a beautiful year-long allegory foreshadowing Yahweh's soon-to-come spiritual jubilee with us in heaven. It shows how Yahweh prearranged and protects his kingdom and, his and the body of his son, Yahshua. It also assures of the abundant blessings and glory that Yahweh had promised. In this upcoming seminar, let's see how this is done. Below are a few points of interest. First. Okay, now let me just comment real quickly. The year of Jubilee and a lot of the things that we're covering here uh, are <clears throat> written about in all the scriptures that we had read during the weekend and that are mentioned at the bottom, uh, plus some others. But Leviticus, the uh, 25th chapter, and then the convocations related with operating by the same pattern in the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, and then a number of other things uh, that we had read. Those are all background for this, so I'm not going to have all those scriptures read. I'm going to try and kind of get through the points from the material, and um, <clears throat> hopefully uh, you can read these things, if you, and, and I suggest you do go back and read them uh, in the Bible, and uh, there's a section in the Elohim book that we'll refer to, 
and, and, and do this for yourself. So anyway, go ahead. Here's, here's a few of the main points that uh, kind of stood out. Go ahead. Number one, Yahweh's physical jubilee with Israel was a total rest, Sabbath, from all work, farming, for the people and their lands for an entire year. This symbolized Yahweh's ultimate spiritual rest for our souls and our bodies for eternity. Okay, so that's point one. There's a total rest for a total year. Okay, This was the longest Sabbath that Yahweh had with the most detail. Now, he had a Sabbath year every seven years, but there were even more extensive features in terms of redemption, uh, which we'll go into uh, in the Jubilee year. But uh, Yahweh had Sabbaths every seven. For example, here you see uh, a depiction of the vision that Yahweh Elohim gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. And in the first chapter of Genesis, Moses records a summary of that vision that he had. And there are six days of Yahweh working to create the creation, and the seventh day he rested. So the Sabbath, which means rest, was on the seventh day in the creation. Likewise, Yahweh put with Israel a cycle whereby every seven days they would have a day of rest or a Sabbath. That was a Sabbath day. But there were also high Sabbaths or Sabbaths that were done for celebration purposes um, on what a lot of people today would call holidays, but really were holy days or days set aside specifically for the worship of Yahweh. And those were done throughout the year. And actually, Yahweh did those over the course of the first seven months of the year. And um, the Jubilee, when it was announced, was announced toward the end. It was in the seventh month that the Jubilee was trumpeted and announced. Um, so this pattern is set up with a pattern of seven steps. And the final step, if you look at it in the tabernacle, is the only place where there's a chair, a seat, a throne. So this is the place of rest. There's no other place to sit down and rest but the seventh step. So the Sabbath, the seven go together. And the Jubilee year was at the end of seven periods of seven years, and it was the next year following. All right, go ahead and read. Two, Yahweh assured Israel of a triple portion of his blessing of physical abundance for the Jubilee, just as he assured us of his blessing of spiritual abundance of revelation, grace, mercy, righteousness, peace, and joy. Right. And let me kind of complete something I apologize for leaving out. There are seven ages, and there are seven dispensations following that same pattern. Age number seven, Dr. Kinley called a sabbatic age. The seventh age, Dr. Kinley called a sabbatic dispensation. I know on this chart, it's labeled kingdom and immortality. If you look in his textbook, he called the seventh dispensation, the dispensation of the Sabbath, or a sabbatic dispensation. And it is a dispensation of rest. However, that rest would be in immortality in the kingdom of Yahshua. But 
Um, so this jubilee is a symbol of the great long rest that we would have and will have in the day of eternity, okay? And the fifth, sixth, and seventh ages are all in timelessness or eternity. And uh, this is where that true spiritual jubilee will take place. Um, and now, in order to provide for Israel under the Old Testament to have food and everything they needed during an entire year of rest, which actually followed un, uh, a prior year of rest, the 49th year, because the Jubilee is the 50th year, what Yahweh ended up doing was actually promising them and providing them a tremendous blessing on the year before, and that would apply in this principle to the dispensation before that seventh one. And he actually said that he would make sure that the crops and everything gave them a yield that was threefold or three times greater than the normal so that it would carry them over for all three years, okay? Uh, and the sabbatic years, the two sabbatic years, and then into the following years until uh, they could actually reap, okay? So, all right, go ahead. And, 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 oh, and the principle here is this, that in the end of these three ages in time, which have the six dispensations, as he promised in, I think it was in Daniel, he said, knowledge will increase. And the blessings for your soul is not physical food. The blessings for your soul is the knowledge and the wisdom of Yahshua. And he has caused that knowledge in, to increase and become multifold just recently so that we will be prepared to go into that next age. Okay? So it follows the same pattern. All right, go ahead. Three, Yahweh's physical jubilee was a full release from all burdens, debts, obligations imposed during the prior 49 years, a virtual lifetime of labor. Okay, now, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? No debts. Every single obligation wiped out. Okay? Total fresh start. And for especially for those that had worked and had problems year after year after year, and some of us have experienced this, and you end up getting a little deeper into debt, a little deeper into debt, a little deeper into debt, so forth and so on. Well, spend 49 years working, and you're deep in debt, Yahweh says, I'll wipe it out. I'll wipe out the entire debt. I'll take responsibility for it. I will pay it off for you in principle, or I will redeem you. And that was what he did with Israel physically. And likewise, the same principles hold true for the spiritual. Okay? No obligations except those which he has taken on himself and wipes out from us. All right, go ahead. So Yahweh's people could enjoy their glorious inheritance, blessings, and abundance to praise Yahweh as he originally promised and ordered them in his physical kingdom. Now, you think about it. If Yahweh then gives you 
entire year to just max and relax, and it would actually end up being two years, but if he gives you an entire year, just max and relax, you got no debts, you got triple the income, okay, so forth, you didn't have to do anything for it, you ought to be praising whoever made that happen, right? And that was the idea. Okay, so this happened here in the Promised Land, which is where Yahweh settled Israel in the kingdom. And that's the seventh step of the migration. It's like the seventh step of the tabernacle, and that will occur in the seventh dispensation and the fifth age. Okay, go ahead. Yahweh's spiritual jubilee with, uh, with us will be full release from all burdens of, of this physical world so we can enjoy eternal life in immortality, immortal glorification in the spirit body, spiritual body and kingdom of Yahshua to praise him as he promised and purposed. Right. So, in other words, in this next age and on through, you will not have a physical body, but Yahweh will give glorified spiritual bodies, much greater and better than any of these physical bodies. I don't care if you are a great triathlete and you are a, a, a hunk with six-pack that really stands out. The body that you're going to have, if you have the Holy Spirit now, the body you'll have in the next age is so much better than any physical body. Okay? There's no comparison. Now, uh, Yahshua had said that in the resurrection they should be as the angels of Elohim. And angels are greater than man. He also talks about that, uh, or has it in the scriptures where it says that he will change our vile bodies that they may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, unto Yahshua's glorious body. Okay? And so that's what you have to look forward to in that next age the type and shadow and allegory here in the promised land with the children of Israel had to do with the fact that Yahweh gave them houses and land, uh, the houses and the cities that they did not work for. Okay, So it's a free gift and eternal life is a free gift. Gave them land okay, and the land was there for the souls or the people to live in and uh, for the, uh, them to enjoy and function and uh, to bring forth everything that they needed in the land. So just like your physical body was made from the same elements as the earth, and Yahweh made Adam's body from the dust of the earth, in like fashion, this land was a symbol of the body that they would live in. But many of those houses that they were given that they did not build were houses from giants that had occupied them previously and were cast out, exactly like the uh, places or the positions that many of the souls that are reaped from the earth that believe in Yahshua and joined into his body will take the positions of those angels in heaven that rebelled against Yahshua and uh, they will then have those great positions uh, which are like the great buildings and houses that these giants had here. And when they were cast out, he gave them to the children of Israel, just like he's going to give those great positions in his spiritual kingdom in eternity to souls that he redeems from the earth. And Yahshua had said, 
in my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And those mansions are those great glorious houses, bodies, positions in the spiritual kingdom of Yahshua. Please read. Four, Yahweh's physical jubilee ensured that the inheritance of the land in Yahweh's kingdom was preserved perpetually for each Israelite and their heirs and their name with the borders that Yahweh gave it. Yahweh's spiritually, spiritual jubilee ensures that our spiritual bodies in the kingdom of Yahshua are saved for eternity. This preserves Yahshua's kingdom by the name and the pattern or order that he declared and gave it. Right. So there's quite a few little moving parts in that statement. So let's go back and kind of pick it apart a little bit. Yahweh's physical jubilee ensured that the inheritance of the land in Yahweh's kingdom was preserved perpetually for each Israelite and their heirs. Okay, let's pause right there for a second, and then we'll take care of the next aspect of it. One of the things that Yahweh ensured in the Jubilee was that whoever inherited the land, and Yahweh had, well, let me back up. When Yahweh gave the Israelites the promised land up here, he gave it to them uh, by, uh, there, there's a word for it, it's not coming to mind, um, but the, the phrase that comes to mind is he platted it out. In other words, there were borders that he specified for each of the 12 tribes. So Benjamin got a particular designated area, okay, and uh, you know, the others did, Simeon and Gad and all of them got their own territory. Okay? And they were specified, and they had landmarks and so forth, so they drew the borders. And so the kingdom that Yahweh ordered there, the way he organized it and ordered it, had a very specific set shape. Those borders established an exact outline in a shape uh, and a way for each of those tribes to integrate and relate physically in their structure of their inheritance. So the land was given by a pattern. Now, since the land was given by the names of the fathers of the tribes, and the inheritance was passed down to the sons of those fathers, and then their sons, and their sons, and their sons, then that same large territory that was given, let's say to Simeon or Gad or whoever it was, was to then be subdivided unto their children, their children's children, etc. But the borders of them, in other words, the place where they were at, was to be kept without change. Okay? Uh, and, and, and so it, it was not intended that somebody, let's say, from the tribe of Benjamin over here, okay, would end up owning the land that had been given, or any part of the land, that had been given to Simeon. Okay? It was to be kept in the order and the arrangement that Yahweh originally gave it. And one of the ways that he ensured that was during the Jubilee year. Okay? Now if you go back and you read in there, you find out Yahweh told him. He says, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. Okay? So, 
He made them basically stewards of his land, but he owned it and he got the right to decide what would happen with it. And so Yahweh allowed them to basically what you and I today would call a lease. They could lease out their portion of the land for 49 years. But in the 50th year, the property would revert. Or in other words, it would be, it would, quote, go out. In other words, it would go out from any contract or any lien or any obligation or any lease that was made, and it would go back to the man in whose name it was originally intended to be in ordered by Yahweh. So that the purpose was to maintain and preserve the order and pattern of that land exactly as Yahweh originally gave it, so that the pattern would not change. Okay? And that was a way of Yahweh preserving his own kingdom, okay? because it's Yahweh's kingdom. And like he said, the land is mine. Now he also said this, he said all souls are mine. So, and, and actually, uh, he talked about Israel. Israel was, he said, is my firstborn, okay? And so the firstborn was then to be dedicated to Yahweh. Uh, the firstborn of everything was to be dedicated to Yahweh. And he says, Israel is my son, even my firstborn, okay? And so they were dedicated to Yahweh, and they were Yahweh's inheritance, so the people was Yahweh's inheritance, the land was Yahweh's, and what he was doing was giving out his own substance, okay, his own inheritance, parceling it out okay, by a set pattern, and he was ensuring that the pattern would be preserved and not changed, and the Jubilee was a way of ensuring that. So no matter what contracts and arrangements uh, were made with uh, uh, liens on the land or anything else like that, when the Jubilee year came around, it was supposed to revert back to the one to whom Yahweh originally had it inherited down to. Okay? All right, please read. Yahweh's kingdom was, was preserved perpetually for each Israelite and their heirs in their name with the borders that Yahweh gave it. Right. Yahweh's spiritual jubilee ensures that our spiritual bodies in the kingdom of Yahshua are saved for eternity. Yes. So that preserved their land in perpetuity. In other words, generation after generation after generation without end was the idea. And that's, in principle, that shows something that's eternal. And likewise... The bodies that we receive, which are we immortal glorified bodies in that next age, they compare to the land that was parceled out here and given to the children of Israel to live in. So you're going to live in those spiritual bodies, and Yahweh has ensured that they will be eternal. They will not die, okay? and they'll be eternal and eternally able to be used by the souls that are put in those bodily forms. Okay? Go ahead. This preserves Joshua's kingdom by the name and the pattern or order that he declared and gave it. Right. Five. Mm-hmm. Yahweh's physical jubilee. Oops, sorry. Yahweh's physical jubilee was announced by trumpets, 
on the Day of Atonement, the 49th year, seventh year of the seventh cycle. Okay. And it lasted throughout the 50th year. Right. So now, what they did was they had yearly convocations, okay, holy days, holy, and a convocation means a calling together. To convoke means to call together. They were assemblies, okay. And Yahweh said that three times a year males would assemble before Yahweh, okay. And when they assembled in Abib or April, they were to be there for three feasts. And one was the Passover, the second was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the third was the Feast of the First Fruits. And those occurred in April or Abib, 14, 15, 16. Now, the entire feast went on for a week, seven days. And Yahshua fulfilled those by his death, burial, resurrection, Abib 14, 15, and 16. Okay? Um, and on the 14th, he dies, fulfilling the Passover lamb that died. On the 15th, his body is fully at rest. It's in the Sabbath, in the tomb, not moving at all fulfilling the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is the next day. Unleavened Bread is not risen. So his body was not risen on that same day. And then on the next day, the 16th, the priest would raise up a shock of first fruits of the barley harvest, wave it uh, before Yahweh, presenting it. Okay? And on the third day, Abib 16, Yahshua the Messiah was raised from the dead and he was presented alive after his passion. And you just read in Luke 24 about one of the, uh, or a couple of the events that occurred that day that Yahshua rose and how he appeared alive after his passion to others. And so that was the first time of the year, okay? The second time was June the 6th, or technically Sivan the 6th, okay? And that was a one-day function that is called the Feast of Weeks. Um, it is in the Greek language, which has been also translated into English, called the Feast of Pentecost. And Pentecost occurred every single year. It was not just this one event in history. This was a specific Pentecost uh, that was unique. And this one the Holy Spirit was poured out and given as a permanent gift, and that happened to be in a jubilee year. Okay? And so Yahweh made things coincide and correspond by the pattern in such a way that the Pentecost was also a jubilee. Now the Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, was the 50th day after the Feast of the Sabbath of Unleavened Bread. And so that's the way it's counted, okay? And the, the, the um, Jubilee is counted in the same way. It's the 50th year after the prior one goes on. And they count seven cycles of seven, okay? And seven sevens is 49. And then the 50th one, the 50th year would be the year Jubilee. The 50th day in this count would be the day that is called Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. Okay? Now, that 
is a pattern by which Yahweh works. Seven sevens. Now he also operated seventy sevens. Okay, uh, same principle because it boils down to the principle of the seven, which again is the perfection in the rest. And the, when he did 77s, it would end up being 490 years, and he worked on 490-year cycles too. But I'm not going to go into that right now. Okay? So um, I just want you to kind of be aware that that's the way it's working. Now, I've got to mention and complete the thing about the holy convocations. After that feast called the Feast of Weeks, you go all the way to the month of Tishri, which is very similar to October in our calendar. And there are three very big feasts. Okay? The first one is called the Feast of Trumpets. Okay? And there, the trumpets are going to convoke and call all Yahweh's males together, and they're supposed to be there for the Feast of Trumpets. And then on the 10th day of that month is going to be the Day of Atonement. That is the one great, great high day that is, um, there's another word for this. I'm trying to think of the word that's in Leviticus. Um, but it's a day in which they, they, they had to completely humble themselves and be fully and totally attentive to Yahweh uh, instead of attending to their own human and physical affairs. Okay? Because that was the day in which the high priest was supposed to do the services in the tabernacle and uh, everybody was to be praying that Yahweh would forgive them entirely for all their sins for the prior year and that they could then start new and be good with Yahweh. Okay? That was on the 10th. It was on that same day, October the 10th or Tishrei 10, that Yahweh had the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound. In other words, there was a specific, um, and, I, and I'm not quite sure exactly how they did it, you know, but you know how people will blow horns and use them in specific ways. I mean, you make music out of them, right? So there has to be a very specific sound of the trumpet. And if you read there in the Bible, you find out there are signals that are given by these different horns. What's that? He said, he said like a Morse code. Yes. In other words, there'd be like one blast or two blasts were a couple of different things. Um, and he, they would use those trumpets uh, for various different things, but the trumpet of the Jubilee was to sound on the Day of Atonement. And then uh, they were supposed to be, at that time, really keeping a Sabbath unto Yahweh right at that point. I'm talking about there in October or Tishrei. And um, then on, from the 15th all the way to the 22nd of Tishrei, they're supposed to be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles or booths or ingatherings, has different names, okay? Uh, and that's the seventh convocation every single year after they get into the Promised Land. And uh, that symbolized the fact that they were not, throughout the year, the way Yahweh had given them their blessings, they were not living in huts or booths, or tents, 
which was the idea. But on that day, or on, during that time, uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would live in tents, specially made tents that were basically made from, for, for the most part, from just boughs of trees being put together. Okay? So it was kind of like leaf huts. And uh, they were doing that in remembrance of the fact that, or, or yes, in memory or remembrance of the fact that Yahweh had brought them in tents and Yahweh had lived in a tent in a tabernacle, he said, all the way during the time, from the time he brought them out of Egypt, all the way up until they got into the promised land. Then they got the houses they didn't build uh, in the promised land. And 490 years after they came out of Egypt, that's that 70 cycles of seven, Yahweh gets his house, which is the temple, great glorious temple of Solomon, and that temple is dedicated on a jubilee year. Just like this spiritual body of Yahshua, or the true temple of Yahshua, which is comprised of the souls that are joined into him with angels that are in his body, that was dedicated in a jubilee year, just like Solomon's temple was dedicated in a jubilee year. This was at the end of a 490-year cycle, and this was at the end of a 490-year cycle. So the point is, Yahweh has everything timed out, everything ordered, and when you get to that principle of seven, whether it's seven or seven sevens, which is 49, and then the 50th one, or 70 sevens, which is 490, Yahweh's you know, bringing to pass uh, the great glory in some fashion. He's manifesting his great glory, like with a glorious temple here, okay? The glorious temple of the body of Yahshua as a spirit body, okay, of assembly of believers. And there will be the same principle with that spiritual body being completely glorified with all the members of the body in this fifth age, which is, again, fifth five or 50 is after the 49, okay? And that will be in the seventh dispensation, all right? So this ordering uh, uh, takes place, all right? Um, I hope I didn't miss a major point, but read that one sentence again, please, then we'll proceed. Okay. Yahweh's physical jubilee was announced by trumpets on the Day of Atonement, the 49th year, seven years of seven cycle. Right. And it lasted throughout the 50th year. Yahweh's spiritual jubilee will be announced by his voice at the universal revelation of Yahshua, commencing the seventh dispensation and lasting throughout eternity in the fifth age. Right, and that's uh, like Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, uh, that that will be at the last trump, okay, uh, the last sounding of the trumpet. And uh, then that will commence this right here, okay? That's Yahweh's voice. And right now, he's operating, uh, basically preaching the gospel, and that basically is the voice of Yahweh trumpeting out or convoking and calling together his sons to come to this great, great convocation. All right? Is there anything more there? There are a few of, of the 
There are a few of wonders of the wonders of Yahweh's Jubilee that we hope to explore in this upcoming seminar. We hope and pray to Yahshua that he blesses you and with even greater wisdom and understanding of him. Okay, now that was the cover page. Mm -hmm. All right, now we've got quite a bit more in there, but some of it I've at least alluded to. So you go ahead and read it, please. And um, you want anything about on the scriptures? You can just mention the, the scriptures because these are really important. Mm -hmm. If you have not read these scriptures, and I mean read them to digest to know what's in them, I really suggest you go back and do read them. Okay, Okay. Uh, read Leviticus 23rd chapter, Leviticus the 25th chapter, mm -hmm. Leviticus the 27th chapter, mm -hmm. Numbers the 36th chapter, mm -hmm. and Deuteronomy the 15th. Okay, good. As you read these scriptures, ask yourself, what did each ordinance and practice accomplish for Yahweh and the souls of his physical kingdom with Israel? Okay, so in other words, all these scriptures are going to outline Yahweh's ordinances and orders that he gave to Israel. But ask yourself, why bother with these? In other words, what's accomplished okay, with Israel by each of these scriptures? Okay. And you really should ask yourself what was accomplished by everything Yahshua did. Because everything Yahshua did accomplished something. It fulfilled, it achieved something. All right? Go ahead and read. What are the principles involved? Now ask yourself, okay, because he's got this done this way, this kind of an order, this kind of a, uh, an arrangement, what's the principle, the spiritual principle involved with it? Go ahead. How did Yahshua fulfill these? And then ask yourself, how did Yahshua fulfill it? Go ahead. How does he fulfill them in his spiritual kingdom in this age? And then ask, how is he fulfilling them spiritually in this age? In other words, in the hearts and minds and uh, church with the believers. Go ahead. How will he manifest them in the ages to come? And how will those same principles manifest in the ages to come? Okay. All right. Jubilee means trumpet. Jubilee means trumpet. The word is yobel. Um, and it is uh, uh, the Hebrew word is yobel. And it's uh, like it has been brought out. There's a variety of different principles that have been attached with that word. Okay, uh, One is the fact that it's used as jubilee and bringing jubilation. But actually, the word is the trumpet or the sound of a trumpet convoking or calling them together. Now, there's another word that is used very similarly to that word yobel, which is jubilee. And sometimes, and there are places in the scriptures where this other word is used in the sense of the Jubilee, and that is shofar. And that word shofar is the ram's horn. Okay? It's, it's a ceremonial horn that is made from a ram's horn. And uh, so you had, uh, and you had different kinds of horns that Yahweh would use back there for different purposes. There were two silver trumpets, for example, that Yahweh had the low priest sound on the Day of Atonement, and then there's other particular sounds of the trumpets that were ne needed for certain actions. They, they signified, do this, don't do that. Okay? Um, 
And also, so they used both the ram's horns and the other types of horns and as what we would call trumpets, okay? But that word means trumpet, okay? Go ahead. Jubilee means trumpet, especially the long blast of a trumpet heralding an announcement of great importance. Right. And it's like, attention, right? that kind of thing. Go ahead. Yahweh had trumpet calls, convoke or gather Israel together for feast of trumpets, mm -hmm. the day of atonement, mm -hmm. when Jubilee was proclaimed by trumpets, mm -hmm. and the feast of tabernacles. Mm -hmm. The feast of trumpets. And all three of those that she just mentioned, those were the three feast convocations in the seventh month of every year which is in the, uh, the time of the harvest, okay? All right, so go ahead. The Feast of Trumpets proclaimed the harvest and the end of agricultural work for the year. Right. A Sabbath or rest so everyone in Yahweh's kingdom could praise, honor, and thank him, thank him and enjoy his abundant fruit and blessings. Right. The Day of Atonement was the day Yahweh appeared onto the Ark of the Covenant and forgave Israel's sins after... His high priest offered the blood of sacrifice, sacrifice before the ark during three trips into the most holy place. Mm -hmm. It was also the day when Jubilee was proclaimed by trumpets. Mm -hmm. The Feast of Tabernacles commemorated Yahweh bringing Israel out of Egypt's bondage and led them through the wilderness of Sinai 40 years, living in simple tents or tabernacles until he gave Israel's, Israel mansions cities and houses they did not build mm -hmm. in the largest estates land they did not work for mm -hmm. and that gives you leviticus 23rd chapter leviticus 25 chapter deuteronomy 6 10 through 12 and joshua 24 13 through right. 14. There's quite a few scriptures there that's related to it but the principles of what we just mentioned all right go ahead please Joshua fulfilled this by the trump by trumpeting the gospel which heralded his death burial resurrection which made atonement for all souls and ended all works as requirements for righteousness and entry into his kingdom. Now this is Yahshua's fulfillment of it, okay? He's preaching his own gospel. And one thing that's important to understand is Yahshua preached the gospel of the kingdom. And I think that expression is used uh, 34 times, I'm going to say roughly, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where it talks about that they had to preach. The, either the gospel of the kingdom or the kingdom. And Yahshua sent, uh, John the Baptist preached it. Yahshua preached it. Yahshua had his 12 apostles preach it. He had the 70 others preach it. And he told them to preach and, 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 and talk about the gospel or the kingdom of Yahshua. You see, here's the thing. Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection was the actions he took to bring about the kingdom or to make the kingdom become effective in earth. It was the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua that made the kingdom happen in earth. But the good news is living in Yahshua's kingdom. Okay? Yahshua's kingdom is the greatest place in the world to live. Okay? And... Uh, well, and it's, at this point when you say in the world, you know, it's in the world but not of the world. <laughs> but very soon it will be the only world that exists 
because the physical won't exist, but the spiritual will. In other words, he said, I make new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And that will be where you celebrate this spiritual jubilee with Yahshua throughout all of eternity. And that's what you want, okay? There, I mean, it, it, it's like night and day. If you have troubles now, understand that the reason you have them is so that you can get a contrast between the problems that occur now and what you should be expecting to receive in the ages to come if you're in the body of Yahshua the Messiah. Okay? So the worse it is for you now, just understand that it's just that much better in that spiritual body of Yahshua in his kingdom to come. And that's the symbolism of all these things that show. So when you uh, preach the gospel of the kingdom of Yahshua, you are talking some major good news. Okay? It's good for everyone that's there. Okay? All right, uh, go ahead and read. His voice called Israel together, or convoked them, saying, Come unto me, all ye Israel that labor and are heavy laden with futile works for righteousness under the Old Testament, and I'll give you rest. All right, so the scripture, the way it reads, is that he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take this yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. But now the ones he's talking to is Israel under the Old Testament. He is fulfilling, okay? He is fulfilling, and he is fulfilling in the days of his flesh, and he's under the Old Testament, and he's fulfilling it with physical Israel. But there is going to be a spiritual convocation, or come unto Yahshua, that that one occurred in the last age, at the end of the last age. Here, let me show you. What she's reading about what Yahshua said when his voice trumpeted and preached the gospel and said, come unto me. That's a convocation. Okay, come together, come to Yahshua. And he told the Pharisees that their problem was, he says, you won't come to me that you might have life. Okay, that was their problem. But those he called. Now that was, see this line right here? That was at the end of the post-Diluvian age where he did that and he called them together. That's his voice convoking them and fulfilling the trumpets that were, un, that were type and shadow that announced the jubilee, that were there for the Feast of Trumpets and those other things that were listed previously. Yahshua's voice is the one that is fulfilling that. His, is the, his voice is the real trumpet. So he's fulfilling that trumpet, and he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But the ones he's speaking to are strictly Israelites. They're strictly Jews under the Old Testament. Okay, He is, at that point, is not preaching to Gentiles. He's not preaching to Christians. He's not preaching to anybody other than the Jews under the Old Testament. Okay, He says, Come unto me, all you that labor. What are they laboring under? They're laboring under the burden of the Old Testament law. The works that were required of them under the Old Testament law 
for them to be righteous with Yahweh, and they were futile attempts at performing those works. Not one person was able to perform those works properly, so every single person was a failure at being righteous on their own, and that was part of Yahweh's purpose. The idea was to show that they needed a Savior, and Yahshua is the Savior. So that's why he said, come unto me. You're working like a dog trying to be righteous. You ain't making it. All you got to do is just come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, none of these you know, problems with your futile attempts at working out your own righteousness, I'll give you rest. That's a Sabbath. The Jubilee was the great Sabbath. It was the longest Sabbath. Okay? Because you got the 49th and the 50th year. That's Yahweh's greatest Sabbath under the Old Testament. And that signifies what is going to be upcoming here in this spiritual kingdom. But Yahshua had to physically fulfill then. And now he is spiritually fulfilling it. In other words, he fulfilled it then in an age where they were doing things physically and, you know, they were physical. But over here, Yahweh is not working with flesh and blood. He's not working with physical Jews or Palestinians or white folks or black folks or Catholics or Protestants or any, he's not working with any of them. I don't care what your ethnic, racial, uh, background is where you live physically in this entire globe, any of that, it doesn't matter. Yahshua is working with the souls, and the souls are spirit. Okay, So back then he's working with people, flesh and blood people. Now over here he's working with souls. So that's a physical fulfillment. This that he's doing now is a spiritual fulfillment, but the same principles that were fulfilled there are being spiritually made real or fulfilled here, and they will be magnified and made greater and spiritually manifest in a multifold, glorious way coming into the very next age. Okay? So that's the pattern of this thing. I, I tried, hopefully succeeded to some extent that Yahshua allowed folks to understand something, but I tried to get a little bit of that across on Sunday when, when I was talking about this. I didn't get a chance to, to really go into these kinds of things in the specifics. But I want you to understand it's so important. Anything you read about in the Bible, okay, there is an institution that's done back here. Okay, and those things that are written about in the law. Okay? Then there is a fulfillment, which is what Yahshua did during the days of his flesh. Then there is a spiritual fulfillment, okay, which is what we are undergoing right now. And then there will be a great glorious reality with the same principles that were manifested in the physical there, fulfilled physically here, and spiritually being fulfilled 
in souls now, but they'll be magnified and made greater later on. Yahweh has a purpose where everything is advancing. It's becoming greater, okay? You have much to look forward to. All right, anyway, <laughs> go back, read that one sentence, and I'll try to be quiet. Come unto me, all ye, Israel, that are la labor and are heavy laden with futile works for the righteous under the Old Testament, and I will give you rest, mm -hmm. Sabbath and Jubilee. Mm -hmm. that, was quote, that was Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Right. The preaching of the gospel in this age is like the trumpets proclaiming the spiritual kingdom of Yahshua. All right, so Yahshua's voice was the trumpet back there. The preaching of the gospel over here is still done by Yahshua through individuals and so, yeah, when he speaks in an individual, that individual is sounding that trumpet, okay? That's the preaching of the gospel in this age. Go ahead. All of his blessings and his Sabbath under the New Testament. Mm -hmm. The voice of the gospel trumpets, trumpet calls, convokes, gathers, and harvests his children in his, into his body or church in his kingdom of righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so again, those trumpets back there in the Old Testament, they called them together. They convoked them into the great celebrations. They was done, and they were done, and really these uh, convocations were done uh, at harvest time. Okay, and especially the greatest ones there, the last three that we talked about, the Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles, at the uh, great harvest at the end of the year, okay? And that is signifying what's going to be happening momentarily with the universal revelation of Yahshua, the great harvest of Yahweh's entire purpose, okay? All right, go ahead and read. Romans 14 and 17 and oh. Ephesians 1 and 10. Okay, all right. The last trumpet of this physical creation will be the thundering voice of Yahweh's archangel, heralding the universal revelation of Yahshua and the eternal jubilee. Right. 1 Corinthians 15, 51-52, and 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16. And again, we could read these. Um, everybody can get the paper, read them, put it together, okay? Go ahead and read. On. The year of jubilee was the greatest, longest, most wonderful event of the Israelites' lifetime. Mm -hmm. Likewise, the universe... And, 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 and that, that's true. This occurred once in a lifetime. Okay? Every 50 years. Once in a lifetime. Okay? And that is significant, too, because in principle, that's exactly what Yahweh's Jubilee is for you and me. You get this once in a spiritual lifetime. Go ahead. The year of Jubilee was the greatest, longest, most wonderful event of an Israelite's lifetime. Mm -hmm. Likewise, the universal revelation of Yahshua Messiah and his eternal Jubilee will be the greatest, longest, most wonderful event of this creation. Right. That is opening age 550 and dispensation 7, Sabbath or rest. Okay, so 7, okay. 7 is the Sabbath, okay. Counting them up, the 50, the 5. Fifth age is like the 50, and every 50 years this occurred. Go ahead and read. Yahweh organized his physical kingdom with Israel in the promised land so that it, 
manifested the principles by which his spiritual kingdom operates. Mm-hmm. Yahweh's kingdom was to be preserved and made increasingly great according to the pattern of names and locations of inherited property as Yahweh ordered and gave them. Okay, we've talked about that already. Go ahead. Therefore, Yahweh ensured salvation, redemption for his heirs in their land if they were ever sold away or in jeopardy of loss. That's right. The heir represented souls. Their land symbolized bodies. Their loss symbolized capture of souls by Satan due to the sin and his taking away of souls, inheritance of eternal life in Yahshua's kingdom. Right. So when someone fell into debt back there, the principle is this. And I know some people actually believe this to be physically the way it is now. That if you're poor, it's because you're a sinner. And if you're rich, it's because you're righteous and God has blessed you because you're righteous. Okay. Um, and that, that, is, that is a religious doctrine uh, in, in many. In fact, for those of you that want to do a little bit of research, you can look up the term Protestant ethic. And this was, especially in the United States, a kind of an abiding, uh, broad uh, doctrinal belief um, that had been adopted, in, especially in the United States, uh, and so forth. But the reason for that was because Yahweh told him back there, okay, I'll bring you to this land. He says, if you will obey my voice, I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in everything you do. I'll bless your crops. I'll bless your cattle. I'll bless your, your children, your wealth. I'll, I'll make you wealthy. You, you'll, you'll be so wealthy that everybody else will have to borrow from you. You won't have to borrow from anybody. And he says, but if you disobey me, if you disobey me, I'll bring upon you disease and war and poverty and the spoil of everything that you have, okay? And your, your, your families and your women will be taken captive, your children will be killed, and all the things that you're... Anyway, you see, let me say this. What's going on over in Israel and Palestine right now, okay? Everybody is hand-wringing about it and saying, oh, this is the worst that's ever happened throughout all of history. You know what? (laughs) Sheltered people we are. You ought to be so happy you have never had to deal with that in your lives in this country. And I'm talking about even in this country called the United States of America. You've never had to deal with that kind of thing ever in the United States of America uh, like like has happened in many of those places. And historically, it goes back for thousands of years. Okay? That's the way war was conducted. Murder, rape, pillage. Yes, it's evil. War is not a war is not a fair contest. That's not the idea. Okay? So anyway, but what you're seeing over there is evil 
evil, evil, evil. And that is the problem in this world, is that evil. But that is just one manifestation of it. There's a spiritual evil that's actually worse because it's deceptive and then it gets to be pervasive, okay? But when they, the point here is this. Yahweh told them, you obey me, you're going to be rich, fat, sassy, happy, abundant. You disobey me, you're going to be poor, sick, getting killed, all kinds of problems and so forth. So, here's the point. The concern was this, that if somebody became poor, okay, it was a symbol of Yahweh's displeasure and debt was like death. And debt made it so that what they had to do was sell their land, okay, and they had to sell themselves, okay. And that's been going on since the beginning of time, okay. You read back here, <laughs> okay, I don't want to get too off, um, but I understand this. Do you know why the land of Egypt, during the times of Moses, and those pharaohs who built those amazing uh, uh, pyramids and buildings and so forth, that people, they still marvel at the construction and the wealth that was in Egypt. Do you know why that happened? Most of it was because of Yahweh putting Joseph down there and giving Joseph the understanding or the revelation of the visions that Yahweh gave, such as the visions he gave to the Pharaoh in Joseph's time, where there was going to be seven fat cows, then seven lean cows, seven great ears of corn, then seven blighted ears of corn, and Yahweh gave Joseph the understanding that what that meant. There was going to be seven years. You see how this all works in cycles of seven? There's going to be seven years of great plenty, and there's going to be seven years of great famine. And Yahweh also gave Joseph not just the knowledge that that was going to happen. He gave him the wisdom to know what to do with it. So what he did was, he said, what we're going to do is we're going to take 20% of everything, of the gross domestic product, what today you'd call the gross domestic product. We're going to take 20% of it during these seven years of plenty, and we're going to store it up so that we'll have enough during the seven years of famine. And not only did they have enough to be fat and sassy during the seven years of plenty, but during the seven years of famine, what happened was this. Not only were the Egyptians had enough, but everybody around them was affected by the famine, and so they became poor. And they had to go to Egypt, and they had to go to Joseph. And at first, they brought whatever money they had in order to buy food. This was a threefold thing. First time they'd go, they'd purchase food with money. Okay, they didn't have food. 
but they had some money left over and other valuables that they could trade. After that was exhausted, they had to go down there again, and what they had to do was they had to sell their land. Okay? In other words, they would give Joseph and the Pharaoh that Joseph was serving, and that Pharaoh was a symbol of Yahweh. Joseph was a symbol of Yahshua. That Pharaoh was not an evil Pharaoh. Okay? And so Joseph then was given the rights to the lands, okay, and to use those lands. And then after that, the people were still hungry and they still had to get food. So what could they do? They had to go sell themselves. In other words, what they call indenture themselves into servitude. In other words, it's like the sign that you see with some people, will work for food. And that's exactly what they did. And you read that back there in Genesis. And I'll tell you what, some people say, well, gee, Joseph, then why did he take advantage of those people? Take advantage of them. Take advantage of them. He saved them. That's why Pharaoh called him Savior, Savior of the world. If it had not been for what Yahweh did through Joseph, millions of people would have starved to death. And therefore, Egypt became very, very, very wealthy as a result of that. And consequently, another pharaoh that rose up that didn't know Joseph thought he was entitled to all those riches that Yahweh had built up in Egypt through Joseph. And that's what it says. That another pharaoh rose up that knew not Joseph. And he's the one that put the children of Israel in hard bondage and mistreated them and did all the kinds of things and so forth. Terrible, okay? But Joseph was a symbol of the Savior, okay? And if Joseph had not done what he had done, I'm telling you, millions of people would have died from the seven years of famine. And consequently, they lived. Now, this goes into all kinds of things. The point I'm trying to make primarily is this. That when children of Israel got into the promised land, again, if they disobeyed Yahweh, they were going to get poor. And so what were they going to have to do? They were going to have to sell their land and they were going to have to sell themselves. And the principle would be that the reason they're doing it is because they disobeyed Yahweh and now, due to Yahweh's displeasure, they're in debt. They have sinned and the wages of sin is death. The economic wages of sin against Yahweh under the Old Testament was debt. And what Yahweh did with Israel was provide them a way of escape from that. Even if they did go into debt, Yahweh ensured that as long as they were part of his kingdom, he was still going to provide an opportunity to be completely debt-free and redeemed. They would be debt-free 
and they would be redeemed, including even the land or the inheritance that they had sold away. That's what happened in the Jubilee year. And that was once in a lifetime. Folks, this spiritual Jubilee that's upcoming is once in your lifetime. But this one is far greater than that one was. And it's because Yahshua is the Redeemer. He's the one that pays the debt and cancels it. All right, anyway, go ahead and read. Souls and lands were to be saved and restored to the original Yahweh authorized state by redemption before or in the year of Jubilee. Right. Salvation of souls from sin was accomplished by Yahshua, who fulfilled the various legal procedures of redemption by his death, burial, and resurrection, and giving of his Holy Spirit in the year of Jubilee. Now, that's what Yahshua did by his death, burial, and resurrection. He fulfilled all the legal procedures, all the requirements to save his people from their sins, which is what the angel said. That's why he would be called Yahshua. He'll save his people from their sins. But how did he do it? Okay. Well, he did it through under the law in the legal procedures that he was born under the law. And it's beautiful when you go back and you look at various different legal procedures that Yahweh used as symbols, types, shadows, and allegories of something spiritual. He did that under the Old Testament. Now, we mentioned a couple of these Sundays, so I'm just going to mention them again. Um, I'm not going to go through the details. But there's the thing that they call the Levirate marriage. Okay? That's where the uh, man that has a wife dies and he has no heir. He has not had any children. Okay? That's the next. Okay, I'll tell you what, we'll just read it there. Go ahead and read. To preserve his kingdom, Yahweh ordered Israelites to marry within their tribes, which preserved their inherited land in the family name. Okay, so he ordered them to marry within their tribes, preserving their, la their land in the family name. Okay, we talked about that earlier this evening. Go ahead. He also had near kin redeemers. Yes. Hebrew Guel. Yes. Marry childless widows and raise up a son to carry on the name and inheritance of the deceased husband and grantor father. Right. Okay. Yahweh also had near kin redeemers paid the ransom price to buy back their heirs and lands, freeing them from jeopardy and loss to debt. Right. And I will say that the, the book of Ruth is one of the most beautiful illustrations of that redemption series of redemption processes uh, it is very detailed and it shows the redemption law and processes that were elaborated on in that book that book which is in the testimony okay it was in the law but it's elaborated on that book of Ruth in the testimony and Yahshua is the one that fulfilled it he became the real redeemer okay Boaz back there in the book of Ruth was the symbolic redeemer. He was the physical redeemer there with Ruth and Naomi and that whole family. But Yahshua is the real one that is the redeemer and the result is the child of the Holy Spirit, which is, of course, was the symbol of what Ruth's baby ended up being. Okay? And that was 
one that became a grandfather of David, who was the king of Israel, and the one that said that he was the, uh, he is called the father of Yahshua, David is, because it says that Yahshua is the son of David, an inheritor of the kingdom and throne. Anyway, go ahead and read. He ordered debts to be released every seven years, and he ordered all debts mortgaged, land, uh, leased land, and servants to be restored free and clear at Jubilee. Right. These preserved Yahweh's kingdom within its inheritance, blessings, riches, and treasures in the same pattern that he originally ordered and purposed it. Right. Yahshua fulfilled this by being made flesh as our near kin redeemer and paying the ransom price of his blood to free us from death, debt, I meant debt or death from sin. Right, exactly. Then he, as the Holy Spirit, married the souls of all who believe and receive him by faith to raise up fruit unto Yahweh, souls born again of the Spirit as children in his name to inherit his spiritual kingdom in glorification. Mm -hmm. He fulfilled his work of redemption at the Pentecost Feast of Weeks, which was held in the year Jubilee. No, that's, that's this one right here, this particular event. Go ahead. He will redeem our bodies into his glorified spiritual body and kingdom in his upcoming spiritual jubilee. And that is this one that will come about right here at the revelation of Yahshua the Messiah universally. All right. Redemption of heirs and, the, and their land in Yahweh's physical kingdom represents redemption of souls and spiritual bodies and glorified bodies and kingdom of Yahshua. Okay. S glorified spiritual, spiritual bodies, mansions, will be given in, Yah in Yahshua's kingdom in the new heaven and new earth redemption or exchange for physical bodies. Okay, so again, we talked about all this already, so I, I, I don't want to keep repeating it, but I hope... I hope it's connecting with you. I, I suggest you go back and read these things. Digest them. Go ahead. Read the scriptures in yellow, right? Yeah. It's just yellow. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12. Mm -hmm. And it shall be when Yahweh thy Elohim shall have brought thee, out, brought thee into the land which he sware unto the fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great goodly cities which thou buildest not, all the houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest ye forget right, that now Yahweh. Just hold on. See, Yahweh gave them all these things. They didn't work for it. That's what he said. This is his kingdom. He's given them the kingdom. And they didn't work for the kingdom. They didn't work to obtain the kingdom. We cannot do works to obtain the kingdom of Yahshua because Yahshua has already done the works, but what we must do is to accept and receive it under the terms and conditions that he gives it. Okay, And that will become automatic if you receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, um, Anyway, I'll, I'll leave it there. Go ahead and read on then beware, lest ye forget that Yahweh, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Mm -hmm. Joshua 24 and 13. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and yep. cities which ye built not, yep. and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do you eat. Mm -hmm. uh, John 14 and 2. 
In my father's house are many mansions. Mm -hmm. Matthew 22 and 30. For in the resurrection by for in the resurrection they neither married nor given in marriage but are angels of Elohim in angels heaven. Of as, nor given in marriage but are as the angels of Elohim in heaven. Right. Okay. So in the resurrection, in other words, and in this next age, okay? In that glorified spiritual body, you'll be as angels, is what he's saying, okay? Angels have incorporeal bodies, and our bodies will be incorporeal, and they'll be glorified, uh, which is as Yahshua now has the glorified body. The only one with it. Go ahead. 1 Corinthians 15 and 44. It is sown a natural body and is raised a spiritual body. Mm -hmm. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Mm-hmm. Romans 8 and 23. Mm -hmm. We ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Okay, so what we're waiting for is not the redemption of our soul, but the redemption of our body. Now, when the people, individuals, sold themselves into bondage, they had to be redeemed. And Yahweh called those people, even in the Old Testament, the word souls is used for the people. The people had to be redeemed but also, their land had to be redeemed for them to live in the land that Yahweh gave them. And that's like the redemption of the body. Okay? Now, the land was supposed to be redeemed. That was the once every 50 year operation in the year of Jubilee. And folks, it's going to be once in Yahweh's purpose, in his entire purpose, that you'll be given a glorified spiritual body. That is where those mansions are, and that's where that land that you didn't work for will be. That glorified spiritual body. And that is in Yahweh's jubilee here. Okay? Read on. Ephesians 4 and 30. Mm -hmm. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of Elohim, whereby ye are sealed, sealed. unto the day of redemption. Until the day of redemption. Now, let me, I, I guess I need to explain this. So I didn't mention this part. Remember I did mention that there's the redemption of the soul and the redemption of the body, right? Redemption is a process whereby someone is free, and that doesn't mean free to serve themselves. That means free to be in Yahshua's kingdom, okay? And you'd be, you'll be serving Yahshua not because you're forced, but because you just absolutely have the I can't help it. Okay, it'd be just wonderful. But the souls were redeemed. The price for sin was paid 2,000 years ago. I'm looking right here at the death, burial, resurrection of Yahshua. Yahshua's blood, his death, paid the price to level the playing field or pay off the obligation and release all humankind from a debt or a spiritual death that nobody could release themselves from. Okay? Now Yahweh gave mankind 4,000 years from the time of the transgression in the Garden of Eden until Yahshua came in and he gave them all kinds of means to try to work and save themselves and be righteous. Every single attempt of every single human being failed. But when Yahshua and the Messiah came in, he simply paid it off. 
he's the redeemer. And that's basically the same principle as what would happen in the Sabbath years and especially in the year of the Jubilee. Now, this was the price, Yahshua's blood was the price for men's souls. And what he did was pay off the debt that came from the sin of Adam, and in Adam all die, and he canceled that debt. That means this. From the time of Yahshua's crucifixion, burial, and resurrection, nobody is born in Adamic sin. Jew, Gentile, evil people, great people, matters not. It's not the sin of Adam from that point on that affects anybody, and that's important to understand because I know for a fact that that idea of Adamic sin being carried on to everybody is major Christian doctrine, and it is wrong. Yahshua paid that debt off 100% completely. That's why, I think it's in Peter, uh, I'd have to look at it, anyway. It says, Yahshua is the Savior of all men. That's what it says. It says he is the Savior of all men, especially of them that believe. The difference is this. He saved them all by paying off the debt, but not everybody has accepted it. So those that believe accept what Yahshua did. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, so, but those that then have their souls redeemed and saved and raised from spiritual death at the universal revelation of Yahshua will also receive immortal glorified bodies. That receiving the immortal glorified body is called the redemption of the body. So the redemption of the souls was done 2,000 years ago. The redemption of the body is upcoming very soon and will usher those souls into the ultimate jubilee of Yahweh. All right, read on. Have a little more. Philippians 3, Philippians 3 and 21. Mm -hmm. Who shall change our oh. vile bodies mm -hmm. that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Yes. Second Chronicles um, 1 and 12. Mm -hmm. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 36 and 6. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and the strength of salvation. Right. The fear of Yahweh is his treasure. It, and the point here is that the blessings of Yahweh under the Old Testament were physical riches and treasures. The blessings of Yahweh now are the blessings of wisdom and knowledge in Yahshua the Messiah. Go ahead. Romans 11:33. Mm -hmm. Riches both of wisdom and knowledge of Elohim. Mm -hmm. uh, Colossians 2 and 3. Treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Right. So it's very scriptures. Okay. Leviticus 25, uh, 21. Uh -huh. Then will I command my blessing upon you in the sixth year, and it shall be, and it shall bring forth fruit. For three years. Right. Okay. So they would go these Sabbath years and Yahweh would triple the uh, crop so that it would carry them over. Go ahead. Isaiah. And, that, and that's what's going on right now. Okay. The blessings, wisdom, and knowledge about Yahshua the Messiah are being 
just harvested greatly now at the very end of this sixth dispensation to carry us over into this eternity upcoming. Go ahead. Isaiah 37 and 30. Mm -hmm. And this shall be a sign unto thee. Ye shall eat this year such as groweth of itself. Mm -hmm. the in the second year that which springeth of the same. And in the third year ye sow it and ye reap it and plant vineyards and eat the fruit thereof. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 61 and 1 mm -hmm. through 2. Mm -hmm. The spirit of Yahweh Elohim is upon me because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach good the gospel unto meek, unto the meek, he had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prisons to them that are bound, mm -hmm. to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Six verse. And that's in Isaiah 61, and Yahshua had this read when he went into his ministry uh, and went back home to his um, physical home area. Go ahead and read. Isaiah 61, 6. Yep. But ye shall be named the priest of Yahweh. Men shall call you the ministers of Elohim. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in, the in their glory shall you boast yourselves. Yep. For, some sh for your shame you shall have doubled. For the confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double everlasting joy shall be unto them. Right. Uh, Luke 14, or Luke 4 and uh, 18. And I'll just say this about that part of Scripture. Yahweh planned to bring the Gentiles into the church or assembly or body of Yahshua along with the Jews. And he would have to give the Jews the understanding of the things in the Scriptures in order to teach the Gentiles. And that was at the beginning of this present kingdom age in the fifth dispensation Likewise, in the sixth dispensation, which really the major ministry there was the ministry of Dr. Kinley. And uh, so that great wisdom and knowledge has been just multiplied in order that others can be helped and brought in also. Go ahead. Luke 4, 18, 19, and 21. Mm -hmm. The Spirit of Yahweh is upon me because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Mm -hmm. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind, to set liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of, the, of Yahweh. And the acceptable year of Yahweh, by the way, is the year of Jubilee. That's what that's all about. Okay. Go ahead. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And Yahshua had this read in the synagogue, and he said to them after he had it read, he says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. 2 Corinthians 4 and 15. The abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound, redound. Well, redound to the glory of Yahweh. Right. So, in other words, see... Yahweh simply deserves and wants to be truly thanked for what he does. And he, he, he simply wants the gratitude that he deserves, okay, that he has earned that none of us were able to achieve for ourselves, okay. And Yahshua has given this, and the, you'll find out and many of us have found out, okay, many of you found out, that 
It is a just tremendously joyous experience. I mean, it's, it fills you with joy when the, the, the brethren are together and you feel and sense the love in the Holy Spirit operating and uplifting others in Yahshua the Messiah. It's a wonderful thing. And what we have experienced on this side of the veil of eternity is a small portion compared with what there will be without end in that next age, in that great, great jubilee. Okay? All right. Is there anything more? There's another page and a quarter? Okay, well, obviously we're not going to get through it, but can you just read the headings if there is? Okay. All right, we'll just read the headings, and we're not going to read the scriptures. I, I hope folks can pick this up. You can download it, uh, idmrlansing.blog, go into other things, and it connects with Andy Craig's uh, Google Drive, and he has posted this up there. So you can download Yahweh's it. Yahweh's great glory comes during Jubilee after seven cycles of seven are finished in his purpose and plan. Oh, yeah. That's the right. dedication. Yeah. How about you want to read that? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. The dedication. Solomon deferred the dedication of the temple for one and one and a half years. Okay, well, I don't need to read no. this part right now because if you start that, it'll, you we'll have to go through the entire thing in order to make it happen. What I've got here is actually a quote of a part right out of volume four of the Elohim book. So this is straight out of the Elohim book, volume four. I think it starts at what, like page 41 or something like yeah, that? And um, it shows about that. But I've already mentioned, just briefly, that Yahweh works on cycles of sevens. And that can be seven. That can be seven sevens, which is 49, to which then he will add that next day or year for the 50th, okay? And therefore, you get a day of Pentecost every year, and every 50 years, you get a Jubilee year. He also operates on a cycle of 77s, which is 490 years. Now, again, every time you get to the 7, what you're looking at is the principle of rest or Sabbath. And this Jubilee is the longest, greatest, most glorious Sabbath that Yahweh gave to Israel. So it's a symbol of the eternal Sabbath or rest that we will have in him when we go into timelessness or into eternity, the seventh dispensation, the fifth age. Okay? And um, to show some of that, Yahweh had... Uh, for example, Solomon's temple, well, I'll show it right here on a timeline. Solomon's temple was dedicated in the year uh, 1000 BBY, okay, which was exactly 490 years. That's 70 cycles of seven after Yahweh uh, had the law spoken to the children of Israel back there <coughs> coming out of the land of Egypt. So that's at the end. That was, in fact, a jubilee year. Okay? Now, I'll do a quick calculation just to show you why. Show that much. And then, uh, let me grab this quickly.
And really, the important part here is not to understand all these numbers, but to understand that Yahweh has got everything ordered, organized, okay, in a way that cannot fail. All right, so he brought them out of Egypt in the Exodus. We'll call it 1490, okay? All right, now, they went, they were 40 years in the wilderness, so they entered Canaan land in the year 1450 BBY on this chart. They come out of Egypt, 1490, okay? 1490 BY, okay? 1490 BY. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. So that counts down, okay, for 40 more years from 1490, giving you the year 1450. It's the year 1450 when they go into the promised land, okay? So this is when they go into the promised land. Okay? Now, it is when they go into the promised land that they start counting for various different things. That includes those um, annual convocations that they have because uh, most of those they can't even do while they're in the wilderness because those convocations are involved with harvests. Okay? And so he says back there in Leviticus 23, when you come into the land that I give you, then you shall and you celebrate these convocations and so forth. The same was true of the Jubilee. So, now, they're going to have Jubilee every 50 years, okay? And after nine Jubilees, that is going to be a total of 450 years. You see that? Does that make sense? 9 times 50 is 450, okay? And that brings you to the year 1000 BBY. That is the year that Solomon's temple was dedicated, which was 490 years from them coming out of Exodus. 490 is the 40 plus the 450, which together gives you 1490, or I mean 490, right? You see that? Plus, it is a jubilee year because it's at the end of a 50-year cycle. It's the ninth jubilee. Okay? So, the great temple of Solomon, and this is at the peak and pinnacle of the glory of Yahweh's kingdom under the Old Testament, and that peak of the glory of Yahweh under the Old Testament was the dedication of his temple on the Jubilee at the end of a 490-year cycle. Okay? And this is a symbol of the glorious body of Yahshua the Messiah, which will be dedicated with all the sons of Elohim gathered together in it. Okay? Just like all those stones were slipped into that temple, okay? and the sons of Elohim will be brought into the body of Yahshua, and it will be dedicated in that great, great glorious spiritual jubilee which will be at the universal revelation of Yahshua. And so that's a type of shadow back here under the Old Testament that shows what Yahweh's doing spiritually.
I hope all of that was helpful, and um, praise Yahshua. Thank you. That concludes our lecture for this evening. We hold classes here every Wednesday and Friday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Our question and answer session is the third Friday of every month, and it's this Friday, the 17th. So um, we can all stand for the doxology so we can be dismissed. Not, and I'll be quoting the last two verses from the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Yahweh, our Elm, through Yahshua Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Let us all say, Hallelujah.
patience, faith, meekness, temperance, joy in the Holy Spirit. Darkness can hide. His truth does abide. Does abide. He has beauty and love. Beauty and love. He's a lamp to my